Hello, everyone. My name is Jeff Bradbury, and welcome to the 10th episode of the Tech Educator Podcast. Are you looking to build your PLN? Are you looking to find out more about Twitter? Do you want to find the ins and the outs of how to grow a personal learning network? We're going to answer all those questions right here on the 10th episode of the... Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Tech Educator Podcast, coming to you live each and every Sunday night at 7 p.m. Eastern with your hosts, Jeff Herb, John Samuelson, Sam Patterson, and Jeff Bradbury. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the 10th episode of the Tech Educator Podcast. My name is Jeff Bradbury, and we have a great show for you tonight. We're doing it webinar style. This is after a lot of you guys wrote us at Tech Ed Show on Twitter and said, we'd like to know a little bit more about Twitter. We'd like to learn how to build our PLN, and really, what is this device that Twitter is, and how do we use it? I have three very great uh, tech educators with me tonight. I want to introduce first, from California, sporting the puppet tonight, when introduce Sam Patterson. Sam, how are you today? Welcome to the show. Sam's mic is currently turned off. <laughs> Sam's not allowed to talk tonight, Jeff. <laughs> no, I'm doing great, Jeff. And, uh, I've even figured out how to turn the mic on and keep the puppet out of the camera view, almost. Live shows are great, aren't they? Um, tell us a little bit about yourself, Sam. I teach ninth grade English, and I'm the dean of students at a private high school that has 155 students total. So we are a small school. Nice. Also joining us from the great big state of Texas is John Samuelson. John, how are you today? I'm great, Jeff. We uh, we missed you last week, buddy. How have things been? I've been busy. I've been busy. I just came back from Atlanta. I was at the iPad Summit, and hopefully that's my last plane flight for a, a little while now. Nice, nice. Because that's because uh, ISTE is going to be in your backyard this year. Yes, I can just drive down. In fact, that's where I flew out of. We actually flew in and out of San Antonio, so that's uh, that's how close it is. Nice. Well, welcome back, and uh, thank you for joining us tonight. Thanks. Also joining us on the show is Jeff Herb. <laughs> Jeff, how are you tonight? Doing very well, Jeff. Good to be here. How are you doing? Doing well. How are things out in your neck of the woods? Uh, it's finally getting a little bit warmer in the seventies today. Can't complain about that. But yeah, things are going well. And uh, talk to us a little bit about the stuff that's happening this week on uh, Instructional Tech Talk. Uh, this week, we had uh, the developers of the app explain everything on the show. Uh, did an interview with them, talked about a little bit of the background of the development of the app and a lot of the uses that they're seeing uh, for the app in the classroom, in and out of the classroom. Uh, so we had a really great talk. The guys are awesome over there. Um, it was really nice because they pride support so much. And, you know, I really look forward to hearing back from the people using the app. So uh, I had a great talk with them, and that's what the podcast was uh, this week. Nice. So let's talk a little bit about what we're going to do tonight, guys. We're going to talk all about building a personal learning network, all about building our PLN. This is certainly a hot topic and one that is seen in just about every conference and ed camp that I've been to recently. I'm sure it's the same for you guys. So let me throw some of these questions out that people have as we go through our conferences, what is a personal learning network? Jump yeah. in, Jeff. Jeff? Oh, I'm taking over this one? Jeff, you're one. The, I always t- defer to Jeff. He's the He's been doing the Twitter the presentations lately, so... Okay, first. that's awesome. Let's do it. Uh, a personal learning network or a professional learning network, I use those two interchangeably. You can 
you know, remove the P depending on how you want to address it as a learning network. Um, you know, I really see it as a way for you to interact with people that you do not see necessarily on a day-to-day -day basis. And it's kind of like your extended work family that you can go to for so many different things. And you can kind of hone your professional learning network to suit your needs. So, you know, your the majority of your learning network will likely reflect what you do on a day-to-day -day basis. And that's really important because when you have those extra 10 minutes of time to spare, you want to be able to get the targeted information and be able to interact with people that are doing the same things you're doing each day. So I really see a PLN as being a like-minded group of people that come together, whether in person, uh, on Twitter, on Google+, you know, whatever mean it is, and have an opportunity to discuss things that are going on in their day-to-day -day lives at work. And so tonight we're talking all about one of those avenues of building a personal learning network, which is Twitter. And Twitter, as I've said before, is, is really one of the ultimate PLNs out there. It's like having 8 million educators all at your beck and call. You can find out anything that you want to know from any topic out there, and all you have to do is tweet about it. And so tonight we're going to show you how to sign up for Twitter, how to create a name, how to create a bio, how to basically make yourself more attractive on Twitter to grow that PLN and be able to have those resources, not only for your learning, but really for your classroom's learning. And we're going to talk about ways that you can do that. Jeff, let me throw it back to you. What are some of the ways or what is the best way for educators to sign in to Twitter? And can you talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah, I'd be happy to. You know, what I'm going to do is I'm going to put up my presentation from one of the conferences I recently presented at um, about Twitter because I did a whole conversation, whole presentation about Twitter at a few different conferences recently. And, um, you know, this is on my website for any of you to use. If you're, you know, a veteran to Twitter and you're kind of tuning in just to get ideas to get some of your colleagues on, you know, feel free to use this presentation. It's on my website. Um, more than welcome to use it. Uh, some of the things that are in this presentation, I put a few QR codes in there. So if you have a QR code reader, you're going to be able to jump to the site directly uh, as we're going through some of these sign-up pages and different websites that you may want to get a uh, quick link to. So get your QR reader handy there. Um, here we go. I kind of, actually, this is kind of cool. I started my presentation with this like whole iceberg idea. And, you know, if you don't really have a firm understanding of Twitter, you know, the bit about Twitter that you see above the water is kind of what your general working understanding is. But then everything below the water is what you're missing by not being on Twitter. And people don't really understand that because they, if they don't have a firm understanding of what Twitter is, they're going to kind of lose out a little bit. So that's why it kind of started that way. I'm going to skip over this video. It may start, so sorry if you hear it. <laughs> the reason we kind of jump into Twitter as, you know, new people on Twitter is for new ideas. We're looking to exchange ideas with different people, better your teaching, better becoming, you know, an administrator. There's little leadership chats, become an active learner, a lifelong learner, share resources. I mean, the stuff that you find on Twitter on a daily basis that you can literally just use immediately without really modifying is fantastic. And to really get inspired. I know that, you know, if I'm kind of down on what I'm doing in day to day, as soon as I get on Twitter and talk with people like, the, you know, the ones that are on this show or just random people that I've never met before but know well online, 
my whole outlook changes, and I think that's really important. So that's kind of just like an intro to why Twitter. But, um, you know, we kind of talked briefly about in the conference what Twitter is, and, you know, it's a social network that allows 140 character messages. I described it as a powerhouse of information sharing and a really great way to interact with like-minded educators from anywhere in the world. And the best part of all of it is that it's absolutely free. And some of the fun statistics about Twitter that we kind of talked about, it was created back in 2006. And at that time, there was 400 million monthly visits to Twitter.com. Oh, that's current, excuse me. And 200 million active monthly users at that time. And at this time, as of about a month ago, how many how many tweets every two days do you think there were? John, I'm going to throw it to you. Take a guess. How many tweets every two days? Um, I'll just go, I'll say 400 million. 400 million. Jeff, you got a guess? Seven. <laughs> Seven total tweets, and it was all me. Sam, what about you? I will take uh, twenty-eight million. Wait, 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 wait! Can 20, I change? Twenty-eight hundred million. Twenty-eight hundred million. Sorry. Can Can I change my answer? Uh, did you Google it? To eight. I, I want to go to twenty-eight hundred million and one. <laughs> Price is right. Perfect. Yes. Uh, it's actually one billion tweets every two days goes out. And that's just, gosh, it's incredible. I mean, the amount of information that's being shared is just phenomenal. So it's something that's that, kind of, is that Jeff Bradbury is to- one half of that number. <laughs> right. That's true. Right. Absolutely. So this is the point on the slide. This QR code goes directly to the sign up page for Twitter. Um, so if you have a QR reader and you want to get to there quickly and you're looking to do this right now, you're welcome to scan this, um, and it'll take you right to the sign-up page. Otherwise, you can just go to twitter.com slash sign-up, and it'll do the same thing. This is kind of what that page is going to look like. I pulled the information from a mobile device. Um, you know, the same information is going to be asked for for a mobile device or on the web browser. Uh, you're going to need your name full name, first and last. You're going to need your email address, and this is a real email address because you have to verify it, uh, a username, and I put at professional, and someone will talk about that in a little bit, but you kind of want to stay away from like at tiny dancer or something like that. Um, a password and a obvious verification to make sure that you are human um, by just typing in the stuff that you see in the image. So it's really easy to generate your initial account with Twitter. It's just a, you know, a few different fields, fill them in, move on, and everyone's good to go. So that's kind of like the introduction part, Jeff, about how to get on Twitter. I mean, it's, it's a very brief number of uh, fields that you just need to get in. You have to have an active email address, and you have to choose a username that isn't already being used. And it's fast. I mean, a couple of minutes. So in terms of that, that's, that's that segment. So the question that everybody has when they're Twitter newbies is, why should educators get onto Twitter? John, why do you think? Why, why do you, what do you tell people when they say, why should I get onto Twitter? Well, when we were trying to get my staff to get onto Twitter um, in January, what, we tried, what I tried to show them was I kind of just tried to show them my account and some of my favorite tweets that I had favorited. And just to see the, the depth of information that people are putting out there each day. And I don't think that people really understand that there are 
people put out links to articles that are that are interesting they put out links to resources that they create and it's all out there and sometimes you can just really get bogged down in your in your own school district in your own building and it's just kind of kind of like when you were in high school and your whole world was high school and i think that what this does is it just opens up the door and you can see that there are other educators out there that are doing having the same type of problems and if we work together and we work together smarter and stronger that um, the strengths in numbers and we can really start helping each other out and help our students and it one all it takes is one great idea from somebody like Jeff gives me an idea for a, a, a project maybe I tweak it a little bit and modify it and make it my own but it's an idea that started from somebody else that I could connect with in Chicago instead of somebody that's just inside my building who maybe maybe we are just a little bit stagnant at the t at the time we have our state testing right now so we're a little bit tired, but maybe some days out there that we can connect with that's in a different situation. Now, Sam, you had brought up the concept of of, of a lean, mean PLN machine. What, what do you mean by that? <laughs> um, Twitter can really help you. Let me get over to my screen here. Twitter can really help you develop um, a personal learning network. And when I talk about a personal learning network, I'm actually talking about kind of a how you interact with people online. Um, it's not just a group of people, it's a way to approach the internet and really trying to be of use to others so that when you have a question or you need some help, you know, others will be of use to you. Um, so there's some really basic things you can do when interacting with other people to create, you know, kind of the difference between having 500 advertisements come at you a day and following a bunch of educators you care about is about making the right choices when you're setting up your Twitter account. So when I talk about building a PLN, I'm, I really focus on interacting directly, as, as Jeff Herb said earlier, with the people involved because a PLN is really kind of a person-centered network. Um, so making sure you're interacting with people and when they share something you like, you send it out again. When someone retweets something that you put in, you say thank you. Um, and knowing why you're using Twitter can help you use Twitter much better. It's a really simple idea that if we set a goal, we will more easily meet that goal. But like one of my goals is that uh, I have a great number of teachers that I can listen to and communicate with. So I have this rule that I do where I follow back all teachers. If I get a, um, if somebody follows me and they have the word teacher in their Twitter bio, then I am going to follow them back. I don't even need to think about it. I just follow back. Um, when Aaron Klein sends out a list of, you know, a whole bunch of great educators from Michigan, I'm like, oh, great, I can open it up and, you know, nearly mindlessly follow all of them. And then if, so, if they end up tweeting out a bunch of stuff about their uh, pizza or, like, checking in on Foursquare <laughs> somewhere, <coughs> John, uh, you know, and I'm like, that's not really what I want. I can unfollow them. So... You know, that's really uh, what I like to focus on as far as PLN building is thinking about what you're doing and why 
um, and making sure that when you're interacting on, you know, on Twitter, you're doing it, doing it to connect with people, to share their ideas, to build other ideas, and to answer people's questions. Hey, Sam, can I ask you a question? Yeah. So with your policy of, you know, your internal policy of following every teacher that follows you, how do you make sure that you still have that interaction with the people that you are kind of close to on Twitter and you don't miss a lot of their tweets? What's what's some ways that you are still keeping in touch with those people? Um, that That's an interesting question. <laughs> um, I find that I stay in touch with the people I'm most active with on Twitter because we have ongoing dialogues. Um, generally, the people that I interact with a lot on Twitter show up in one of the three chats I participate in a week, um, one way or another. Or what I've found, and I, I'd really like to actually see the study on this somehow, um, the more I interact with someone online, the more I will notice their tweets. And if I see something that my friend Cheryl was talking about and I don't understand what it is, I'm much more likely to actually click on that, go back to her profile, read back a number of tweets, and see what's going on. Um, but generally, you know, I, I follow a couple of different hashtags regularly, which means that there are like the, the EdChat tag and the Patui tag and the FlipClass tag are all hashtags that people I know who have good ideas send a lot of them to that hashtag. So I can even just go to that hashtag. I don't try to read my stream for information, um, but I'll follow, I'll, I'll follow up with particular people for information. Well, my question was, oh, sorry, go ahead, Jeff. I was going to say, all the stuff that you're talking about right now, I think it would be best at the end of this, because we're talking about streams and hashtags, and we're still in the beginning stages of where it is Twitter. <laughs> so let, let, let's just back up a little bit here, and, and, and let's just talk about you know, one of the things that you had mentioned, Jeff, which is screen names. What makes a good screen name? What makes a bad screen name? I want to throw this back over to Sam, because I know you've got a few examples. Sam, what's the difference between a good screen name and a bad screen name? Well, a good screen name, um, and there's a YouTube video in our playlist if you want to go with this, but a good screen name is going to be as short as you can make it and clearly relatable to your name and unembarrassing. <laughs> um, you know, like Tiny Dancer or whatever, as Jeff Herb was saying, isn't necessarily going to be appropriate in all venues unless you seem to be, unless you're like a diminutive dancer or an, John or an elton john fan right exactly right right or an elton john fan right um but i started off with a very very long name that was learning's living and i thought that was really great because it expressed a central idea of my philosophy but i am not my philosophy so what i really wanted was something that is more particular to who i am um and I couldn't have my right screen name until I developed online somewhat and started this crazy Patui chat because I do so much work with that. My professional identity is really tied into that now. So my new screen name, at Sam Patui, is really more, of, more appropriate for that because people can look at that and they go, oh, that's Sam. He does Patui. It's a good label. It's a good brand. Jeff, would you agree with that? Absolutely. No, I really do. And, you know, it's been something ever since Sam changed his. I've been batting around in my head a little bit, too. But, you know, you really do want something that can identify with what you are and what you kind of want to brand yourself as as well. Um, you know, the people that are able to do, you know, Jeff Herb, 
at Jeff Herb is one of the ones I have. And I'm like, God, should I use that one? I don't know. <laughs> but at the same time, you know, I really do like people associating me with instructional tech talk because that's what I've worked really hard to build as well. So, you know, I think a lot of it is kind of the having the best of both worlds where you're, you know, screen name can be like at INST Tech Talk for Instructional Tech Talk, but your name in Twitter is Jeff Herb. And so people can kind of see that the two of them are tied together and, you know, it works out. So I absolutely think that Sam is right that you kind of want to brand it with your name and what you're doing online so that people can have an easy way to quickly identify you. And and that's so important. I mean, I know for myself, we have at TeacherCast which is where I call that the business account or the PD account. And that's where I ask all my followers to come and people like yourself follow. And, you know, that's that's my account for throwing all the great stuff that's happening at TeacherCast. But I do have an at Jeff Bradbury account, which only has – I think I'm only following like 100 and some people. Mm -hmm. And those are really, you know, when you don't want to have those public conversations, at least for myself, I use them for more of the personal stuff. Or at least when I don't want to be on, you know, it's nice to have that second account. One's for business, one's for personal stuff. Sure. John, let me throw this to you. Now that we've discussed a little bit about what makes a good name, the next question is how to get noticed. And everybody I've ever talked to says, once I see a Twitter, a tweet, I always look for their bio. What makes a good bio and how do you write a good bio so somebody else then follows you? Um, I think really on this one, and um, we were at EdCamp, uh, Matt, Matt B. Gomez and I were at EdCamp Houston, and we did a small session on trying to convert some people over to Twitter, and, and I sat with a lady who was trying to get into her AOL mail account or whatever, so I was pr- trying to be patient with her, and she's going through and she can't get around things. But I think that um, when I told her, I said, you just stick with the basics and keep it simple. And I think that that's the way to go. And here, I'll screen share really quickly, and um, I'll show you a couple that I have then. So I have, so on mine, I've changed mine around a few times, but for mine, I just have iPad lover, educational technologist, love my family, discovering new ed tech, and I have my website. And so that one kind of works for me. I think I used to have something that said, go ahead and ask me for an app. I'm an app. You know, and I thought it was too braggy. And so I've kind of tried to streamline it down a little bit. I didn't want to seem too braggy. And then I went over to West Fryer and West Fryer's, I thought that West Fryer's background, I think is, it, it takes a lot away. I, th- I don't know. On his, uh, we might need to talk about that a little bit, but um, what do you want to create today? And then he's got his, and he's got his link to his westfryer.me. I'm a husband, dad, teacher, digital. And that, I think that's perfect for West Fryer because he's such a great educator and I respect him so much. And then you go over to somebody that I totally don't respect, Jeff Herb. <laughs> and um, you can see that Jeff's is really good, founder of Instructional Tech Talk, website and podcast, instructional technology director at high school, AP co-host, uh, tech educator podcast. I think that just giving little descriptions here or there are good. Now, here I looked back at some of the people that I just got recently onto Twitter. This teacher is tremendous. But if you can see that if she has no bio in there, that it's just kind of she's a tremendous teacher, but she didn't take the time, and I was hoping that some of the teachers would take the time to put in their bio. And um, 
here's some of the other ones. And I, I noticed that this is kind of what my, this is my principal, but he just kind of put principal of Barton Creek Elementary School, which I think is okay. And then I looked at my librarian and she's a great librarian, but she just said, I'm an elementary school librarian. But even just something simple like that, I think kind of works for what, what you need to do. Just keep it simple and, but I think you definitely need to put something, even if you don't want to put a picture of yourself in the profile picture, put a picture of just an object then and put something in there. John, I have a question for you. We, we spent the last couple of days working with the Student Voice Summit, and it was an amazing time. And we had a chance to really talk about how to not only help us as educators grow a PLN, but how to help those students grow a PLN. And we're talking about students sometimes who are 14, 15, 16. I'll ask John, but I do want to open this to the panel. What kind of information do we suggest our students put on Twitter feeds? We're talking a lot about them building personal learning networks and portfolios. Do the students have a Twitter account that says at John Doe? Do they put a big bio up? What would we suggest for educators to suggest to their students? Ooh, that's a tough one. Um, Gosh, since I'm elementary, sometimes we, you know we did we haven't really built the Twitter account. I've built the classroom account, and I've kept that pretty simple. I would say for kids, they probably have to um, just again keep. I, I would say maybe keep the information limited, but I would maybe put it as to your interest then, so that if you're looking for other teenagers who are Minecraft players, then that's what you would do and put, I'm, I'm a high school student. And I, I don't think I would put the school then a high school student looking for, interested in looking for connect with other people that are Minecraft players and sharing, you know, different things. I don't know what else, what does anybody else thinks about that? Yeah. I mean, I think it's definitely, it's a username or something that will stick with them for a while, whether they know it now or not. And I would rather them know it now then have to deal with, you know, the repercussions of not getting a job or something later because, you know, businesses are starting to do that a lot more and colleges are as well. Um, they're checking Facebook, Twitter, different kinds of accounts to see what these people are like, you know, outside of their application. And as soon as you started talking about this, I jumped over to our um, high school's Twitter account where a lot of the students follow the account and I actually run it so I have access to see who all the followers are and it's a pretty good mix it's a it's a pretty good mix between kids that are first name last name uh, and the ones that are like you know heart three two nine you know Veronica swag whatever you know it's just it's it's very I love her. yeah <laughs> great times um, so you know I think that maybe it is our time to be able to step in and help them identify why it's important to start from scratch with a professional account that, you know, it doesn't have to be all professional all the time while they're in high school, but if they start out with at least their name, um, you know, they can kind of curtail it as they get older and more mature on the network as well. So um, it's definitely something to think about early on. Now, one of the terms that we use as Twitter people is the term egghead. Sam, do you want to explain what an egghead is and why that's not a good thing? <laughs> Sure. When you start off on Twitter, they've got their bird metaphor, right? And uh, which falls apart at the fail whale, but whatever. But you've got the um, <laughs> default picture is an egg. It's just a blank egg. And that is very useful in that you have to have some sort of default picture there. But you could imagine that um, 
basically what it, I was looking to see if I had an egg around here. I don't. Um, <laughs> that that egg just signals to everyone that your account has not yet fully been personalized. Um, when I am deciding whether or not to follow somebody, if they are just an egg and have no bio, then I won't follow them because I can't be sure they're an actual real person or some sort of advertising spam-based robot. Um, you know, or rather an unsophisticated one. So when you refer to someone as an egghead, it just means that they're new to Twitter and have not yet changed their profile picture to an actual profile picture. Now, a good profile picture, in my opinion, involves your face and something that makes it so that other people, when they meet you in the real world, are just like, hey, that's Jeff Bradbury. I can tell because he's a giant apple wearing a mortarboard. Um, <laughs> no, that's, that's a brand site. It's different. But I know that um, as a teacher, I've done a lot to cultivate a very strange kind of pre-Doctor Who wearing a bow tie's cool wardrobe. And it's very helpful to me that that's my Twitter profile, and I make sure that when I go out to events where my Twitter followers might be at, I wear the bow tie, and I look like, you know, the Dr. Patterson super geek that I am online. And then people are like, hey, you are that super geek I follow. Hey, Sam Patui. Right. And I have to say, when we were sitting there, um, we we hired, um, when I got hired as an instructional technologist, I heard that another teacher had been hired like I was a classroom teacher and we'd moved up. And I checked her. The first thing we did was we checked her Twitter profile because I didn't know her. And she had the egg for the Twitter. And we were, at a, we were at a tech conference. And all of us just in unison, when I looked, went, oh. And I, I totally emailed her and told her she better if she's an if she's an educational technologist, she better get on Twitter and change her profile and change her profile pic. And she did right away, and then she tweeted back at me because I was like, "Ooh, that is not a good start if you're going to be an educational technologist. You need to have a Twitter uh, presence." Right. Now, um, Jeff, the next question that people sometimes ask is, once we're on Twitter, what do we do next? How do we show sure. off that we're on Twitter? How do we build that following? And many teachers and, and institutions do have websites. Could you take us through maybe some ideas of how we can promote people to follow us that come to our website? Sure, yeah, I'd, be, I'd love to. Um, I'm going to just take you back to that screen share real quick here. Um, you know, I just want to kind of tour a little bit of what Twitter kind of looks like, some of the different buttons involved, because these are all steps and ways to start becoming active on Twitter. And the first screen that you'll come to is basically like your dashboard or control panel for Twitter. And I kind of have it singled out here. You know, you can see that this is my profile, you know, the tweets, the people that you're following, the number of followers you have. Um, and it's an easy way to quickly compose a new tweet as well. There's a little box right there. Uh, just a kind of a quick information section. The top bar, if you're actually on twitter.com, is really important because it kind of takes you through the very important parts of the site as well. You have your home screen, which is what we're on right now. You have the interactions area where you can connect with other individuals and see who's trying to connect with you as well. And that's where you'll see the people that have mentioned your screen name, the people that have retweeted tweets that you've already made. And we'll talk about that in a little bit more detail in a second. 
you can kind of discover things. It's kind of like a way to kind of, if you're bored and you're looking for more information, you can hit the Discover tab and it'll take you to a lot of the stuff that's trending and going on in Twitter at that moment. And then your me section is a way for you to get information about you on Twitter and get um, the people, like generate lists of followers or people that you want to follow uh, more closely. And we'll talk about lists in a little bit too. Um, and direct messages as well. The search bar is huge. If you're trying to follow a hashtag, um, search bar is where you go. All you need to do is type in the hashtag and it will list out all the different tweets that correspond or have used that hashtag in their tweet. And of course, the little blue button that you'll see congruent with basically any um, app or anything that's developed for Twitter is a way to quickly create a new tweet. So, you know, kind of like the control panel for Twitter, it's important to kind of understand what's going on there. Um, in your bottom left-hand corner, I always liked this, especially when I was getting started on Twitter. It's the who to follow section, and it bases these suggestions off of the other people that you are following and interacting with. And so you'll see on here, you know, Sam Patterson's even on there. Amy Illingworth um, is followed by Sam Patterson. So, you know, it kind of gives me a better understanding of what other people in my PLN are following these individuals as well. And so if I see that a lot of the people that I follow and trust are following this person too, I'm probably going to get a lot of information out of um, following this individual. So I always check this every once in a while to be able to kind of grow my PLN and see who is congruent to who I'm kind of talking about. And the last little section here that kind of breaks down the meat of a tweet I was not intended to rhyme, sorry. Um, but, <laughs> it happens all the time. It does. It's really nice. <laughs> um, in the tweet itself, you can see the red arrows pointing to their screen name next to their real name that you would have put in uh, when you signed up. The yellow arrow is pointing to a hashtag. And this basically just means that they have tagged this tweet as something that's relative to educational technology and the ed educational chat uh, based on the ones that they put in there. When it happened is the pink arrow, and it just happened now within four seconds, apparently, because the one right before it was four seconds older. And uh, then I wanted to put that brown arrow right there is a short link. And Twitter is great, but its limitation is how many characters you have to work with. And so websites have come out with short links to be able to take the really long links, like instructionaltechtalk.com, and shorten it down to my like my own vanity URL that I have is inst.tc. And so it really saves you a lot of characters that you can then in turn use for content in the tweet itself. So don't freak out. Don't think that you're going to some OWL web page by going to OWLy. Um, it's just a short link that will take you to what they really want you to get at. So that's kind of like a breakdown of how to get familiar with Twitter. Uh, this is essentially the same kind of idea, but broken down on how to reply, retweet, and favorite tweets. Um, you know, this is really important, too, because if someone has mentioned you in a tweet or you have, you know, they've asked a question and you have something to add to this conversation, it's really great to be able to give back to that person as well by replying to them and telling them how you felt, giving them an answer to a question. Uh, there's a lot of opportunity, and that's how you use the reply button. The retweet button will let you just retweet their tweet to the people that follow you. And this is a great way to show that you kind of endorse what they've said or support it or, you know, supplement it with a little comment in addition to what they had originally written. And my favorite thing is the favorites. Uh, so you can favorite a tweet and it saves it to a list 
uh, in your Twitter account so that you can refer back to it later. And I, tr I tend to favorite a lot of the great tools that people are tweeting online so that I don't forget about them. Um, because, you know, with, when you follow a lot more people more and more as you kind of go on building your account, um, you can see that your Twitter stream just you know, skyrockets that it just goes so fast that you can't keep up with everything that's coming in there. So being able to favorite things is really important as well. So that's kind of how you can get started interacting with people, knowing what buttons to hit and what they mean really in relation to, you know, how that interaction takes place. So, you know, nice. Oh, we really zoomed in there. But, um, you know, that's just a basic level starting ground and how to get started interacting with people on Twitter. Jeff, thanks for so much for taking the time to, to make up that great presentation and share it with mm -hmm. us. One of the neat sure. things about doing a show every single Sunday night at 7 o'clock Eastern is that we're able to have a live audience. And looking over here at TeacherCast.tv, we have about 13 people watching us right now. And so if you have any questions, please uh, take a moment. And if you are on Twitter, you can uh, check us at tech ed show we're certainly happy to answer and discuss any of your topics live and we actually have a question coming in today from at wells susan and she says uh thanks for doing this it's really useful thank you for being here and uh, she says can we talk a little bit about twitter etiquette retweeting tweeting and uh sam let me bring you in on this when you know a little bit about the do's and the don'ts of twitter what can you would give advice to on um how to do Twitter? Well, Twitter is one of those I communities of ideas where essentially the best ideas percolate towards the top because people retweet them. And when you retweet something, as Jeff showed you the button there, it basically just says, okay, here's this idea that came into my inbox, and I'm going to put it in my outbox so that people can see me, people who follow me can see it. So simply retweeting something is a simple way of going, yeah, that's a great idea. And other people will say, oh, okay, great. So they like that idea. Um, early on in Twitter, I saw somebody share the advice of practice what you retweet. And I thought that was really good. So, you know, basically, I won't, won't retweet something unless I think it's actually a good idea. And by and large, I try to open the links before I send a retweet so I know that if it's actually a good link, then great. Um, one of the ways, there, there are a couple rules I use as far as what to retweet. I really value blogging and writing. So I will retweet almost anything that has to do with student blogs or the anything organized under the hashtag comments for kids. Um, I try to retweet, retweet because that's people who are trying to get people to read their students' blogs and comment on them. And you need a big audience to get that done. So by sharing those ideas, and this is where it comes back to etiquette, by sharing those ideas, I let the, the people who send those ideas out originally know that I think they're a good idea and they're worth sharing. We have another question coming in, guys, from uh, D. Grimes and also from Golden Teach. And their question is about Twitter clients. Uh, John, Jeff, could you guys take maybe what are the different Twitter clients out there? How do they work? And I don't know if you guys can quickly throw up some examples here. Um, okay, so um, I'll give you... Um, one from Matt, Matt B. Gomez, who is, has many different Twitter accounts. I, I think I saw he had at least 10 or 12 that he runs, and his favorite is Hootsuite. And he likes the Hootsuite account a lot because he can go and he can post the same thing to several different kinds. 
the one I'll screen share with you really quickly. The one that I used to use. Now I, I just kind of I'm kind of a big fan of Twitter, um, just the regular app. But one of the ones that I like to use is TweetDeck. If you can see that, and you can see it start to populate pretty quickly. But you can go ahead and see that I've got messages right here, and so those are my private messages. You can see that this is the uh, just the iPad Sammy just activity, and you can see how fast it populates. And then here's um, things where I've been mentioned, and you can also check and you can see that it's pretty easy because it's almost the same. If I wanted to reply to Jeff right here, I would just hit the reply button. If I wanted to retweet that, I would just click that, and I could retweet that from that account. And if I wanted to favorite it, and it gives you some other options too. So there's just some different things that are that are just ways to look at it one of the things i like about this is if you wanted to make a column you could actually just go ahead and you could hit add a column and then you can see all the different things that are in there and one of the things that you would have you could add is let me see if i can find it I was trying to look for here let's just do list then and you could go ahead and just look at one of the lists so i could do um if i wanted just to make a school one from all my teachers i could go ahead and add a column and now I could see how much the teachers in my school are still tweeting. And it makes me happy to see that even just one and five hours ago, somebody from my school took my little Twitter chat to heart and tweeted from it. So it's that easy. And for like Sam, who runs Patui Chat, you could go ahead and you could do a hashtag Patui and you could get all the people that are tagging stuff all week long with just that one. So it can really, uh, a client can really focus what you're wanting to focus in on. I think it's certainly great that we were uh, able to help out so many educators who are out there on a Sunday night wanting to learn. Of course, you can catch the Tech Educator podcast every single Sunday night at 7 o'clock. We have more questions coming in. Sam, can you talk a little bit about the word hashtag and and what is it? I mean, we've talked about it a lot. We've used the word hashtag, used the word streams, but I believe you were the one that coined the phrase hashtags are magical. It's not magical. They're just magic. Um, and they're, they're a magic based on the fact that the English language doesn't pronounce this symbol. Right? <laughs> um, and that pound sign, which is only a pound sign to someone old enough to know a push-button phone, I guess. Um, that, that pound sign is really, really useful in the world of computer code because no one uses it. And since no one uses it, they could turn it into an operational symbol. And that makes any word that you put that in front of a unique string of characters. So while the word, the name Jeff shows up all over the place, if you do hashtag Jeff, then you've specifically organized you know, that information underneath the label Jeff, and you can search that and, I guess, find everyone who's currently using that. Um, when I started the Pedagogy and Technology uh, Tuesday chat, I used the hashtag Patui um, because I found that it was a string of letters that wasn't really being used by anyone else. Now, when we use it, there are all kinds of little electronic tools that we've set up online to collect those statements. So one of the power things that's powerful about Twitter is you don't have to read it all the time because it will organize itself if you label it properly. So using hashtags as an organizational label is really important. I have a number of friends who talk about these great ideas. They want to start their own Twitter-based school, right? But only six of us talk about it at a time because we can't all fit in the messages. By making it a hashtag, 
like Twitter school, or I think CoFlip school or something we're using, it allows us to get to that information without filling up each other's mentions lists and without leaving people out. I never thought of hashtags as being magical, I'll tell you that. They, they really, really are, because once you start using them, you say, oh, they're useful this way, this way, this way, and you can sit there and think, well, how does that work? And ultimately, just like magic, there's an explanation at the end of everything, and when you get to that explanation, you're like, oh. So I like to say, you know, hashtags are magic. If you need more information, great, but other than that, they're a really great organizational tool, but they're also... And this is kind of where some of the magic comes in. They can be used for commentary. Um, like earlier today, the educational reporter Audrey Waters posted something about uh, trolling as a service. And I responded with the question, you know, do you mean like pay me to taunt your enemies? And then I used the hashtag, your mother was a hamster and your father smelled of elderberries. Right. And that's not going to be organizational for anybody. Hashtag but iPhone chat. <laughs> hashtag python chat exactly it's a bad money python joke and it's hashtagged as a way to tell people you may not understand this but it's okay it's magic nice we have a couple more questions coming in this one is from at uh, jim aline I'm, or alan i'm sorry if i'm mispronouncing your name here he says uh can you recommend some good professional development groups with interesting conversations occurring for the beginners to join. Now, we had posted a uh, link earlier to the cyberryman.com slash Twitter for beginners. And, of course, we'll have the link for that up on our show notes here. And uh, what? how can we find out more about hashtags, John? Okay, so here I'm going to give you I'm going to give you one more screen. I'm, I guess I'm a screen sharing fool today, so I'm going to give you one more screen share. Then I'm going to go over to and it's also an app. I'm going to go over to the Learnist board, and um, I found this one pretty interesting for people that are new to Twitter to help out. And it's got the Twitter for teachers. And if you scroll down a little bit, you can see that there's just a bunch of different articles that this person has curated. And there's uh, Jerry's uh, internet catalog. And then here's a list to an article of his educational hashtags. And so really, if you wanted to go a little bit slower and learn at your own pace after we're done, you could go ahead to the Learnist board. And this Learnist board is just Twitter for teachers. And you would just type that in the search bar right there uh, while we're there. Now, I will also say that from my podcast, we also do the same thing where we take the everything that we talk about on the Techlandia podcast and then we talk about different things. But we also try every week to give three, and there's one person right there from Ed Camp Houston. There's an Ed Camp Houston organizer. We try to organize three new people to add to your personal learning network pretty much every day. So the Learnist boards, if you, if you aren't sure about um, a free site, that's I think it's kind of an up-and-comer, really. I think that that's one, and it's Learn. Um, I think it's learn.ist. But just type in Learnist, and you can get to some good different things so that um you can go ahead and check off if you've done that but that one's twitter for teachers and i think that there's a lot of links to resources there and we can put the link on our page too to just that learnest board and i think that that would be great but i i really enjoyed sam's patui chat for just something mm -hmm. if you're on a tuesday tuesdays are kind of always a dead day sometimes it's a good chance to go in there and sam uh, what were some of your topics that uh you did from last week then from last tuesday uh, last Tuesday, we were looking at, I'm like, what was last Tuesday? Last Tuesday, <laughs> we were looking at blogging in education. That's right. Uh, 
before that, we did homework. Uh, we've done some standards-based grading chat. We've talked about puppets. I think this coming week, we're actually going to talk about uh, content capture tools and programs. I've got some new toys I've been playing with. I don't know how much interaction we'll get on that, but uh, it's interesting stuff. Have I, I think that I'll, Oh, sorry. Right, I was going to say, I have another resource here for you if you're interested. If, let me pull up my MacBook here. If you go on to TeacherCast and over here on the right side, you click on search. That actually brings up a Google custom search bar. And if you type in the word Twitter, you'll actually see all the resources that I've been able to find and curate and write about and others have written about on TeacherCast, all about Twitter, Twitter hashtags, Twitter chats. And right now there's more than 150 links on here, I would say at this point, of how to get onto Twitter, how to use Twitter. Uh, this one here is Twitter for Beginners. This is actually Jerry's page. So lots of great resources over at TeacherCast if you have a chance to. Um, and good. I didn't want to. This isn't a shameless plug for me, but I did. Sure, <laughs> I did take ahead. the time to uh, quickly put together on my page. Let me see. Is it coming up here? Yeah, we got it. Um, on instructionaltechtalk.com, I put together some of my favorite instructional technology Twitter oh, chats, and they're all linked to Google Calendar. So if you find one that you particularly like and you're a Google Calendar user, you can either use the button up top here and it adds all of them to your Google Calendar, or if you only want to do, for instance, you know, Patui, you can click on the Google Calendar link right next to Patui and it will add that at uh, 8 o'clock Eastern every week on your Google Calendar so you, you, know, you remember when it is and you don't have to refer to your calendar online all the time or something. So um, gotten a lot of feedback that people like this, so I just wanted to make that out there um, for people to use. Feel free. Now, one of the questions that people have in addition to the how do I get on, it's really how do I make Twitter more personal? How do I do something that's going to make me stand out? And that really gets into the idea of creating custom Twitter backgrounds. Now, John, or John and Jeff both showed us different examples of Twitter backgrounds that people had used. Um, Jeff, I don't know if you can quickly get into Twitter.com and show us the generic ones. Can you log into to a page Can there? Yep, okay. let me get in there. When you are on Twitter.com, you can have a choice of about 15, 20 or so custom Twitter backgrounds. But really, those are the same generic ones that everybody has access to. Jeff will pull it up shortly here. But um, in our show notes here, we're actually going to be having a few links to a page. I actually found a link from 2009 um, over at Mashable. Let me see if I can bring this screen up here. Here we go. Um, here's a great article from Mashable. It's seven helpful Twitter background resources, and it gives links here to a lot of different resources of how to customize a Twitter background. The basic idea for doing this is that you'd have to have some kind of a background in Photoshop, or I use a program called Pixelmator on the on the Mac. But uh, there's a lot of ways to create custom backgrounds, and I'll even put some links on here as far as how to. Um, customize it and, and, and how to do those things. Jeff, uh, let me see if you can pull up a few. Oh, Jeff already has it over here. So here's Jeff's screen right here if you're watching us. Jeff, go ahead. Yeah, so I mean, these are just some of the basic pre made design themes that are available to you. Uh, I'll just kind of click through them so you can see what they look like. They're, I mean, they're very basic, and to be honest, I've stuck with this one ever since I started um, <laughs> just because I haven't, you know found a particular need to change and also maybe because I've been naive to the fact that maybe I should um, but <laughs> you know I mean they're basic enough that they're 
they don't take away attention from your tweets. And that's something that I really want to caution people from, um, is if you do choose something and you decide to tile it in the background, make sure it's something that will not take people's attention away from what they're really there for. Um, just I, I personally find that a little bit annoying when I find a Twitter account that has that. But at the same time, I, I rarely use the Twitter.com interface. I'm usually on TweetDeck or on my iPhone. I, I was going to say, how many times do you actually end up with eyes on somebody's Twitter background? Right. It's very rare anymore. Mm -hmm. I mean, it used to be quite a bit, but I've really completely switched over to TweetDeck and TweetBot on my iPhone. Right. Jeff, have you used that Familion down at the bottom, that little thing where it says check out Familion? I haven't had a no. chance to do that yet. Oh, okay. two Jeffs on the show. Oh, I'm sorry. I always forget two Jeffs. But I, has, has, have either one of you used that one and tried that at all or no? Oh, no, that. I didn't even know it was there. So there's a way you can go a little bit crazy if you wanted to. Really interesting. I didn't know that was even there. Adding new features all the time. That's cool. Yeah. So there you go. Good find, John. Thanks. I was just watching you talk about it. <laughs> yeah. We have a little bit of time left here in our podcast. Of course, you can catch us every single Sunday night at 7 o'clock. And the nice part about our time zone is that we have the Tech Educator podcast at 7 o'clock Eastern. And at 8 o'clock, once you do get yourself on Twitter, you can follow the hashtag 21st ed chat 21st century ed chat and uh we're actually going to have the two founders of 21st century ed chat on maybe next week maybe the week after we'll see how the calendar goes but um they're actually taking the concept of twitter to that next level they're using hashtags they're having conversations and they're doing it to help out you and your viewers so uh if you're watching this and you're on twitter stay tuned check out the hashtag 21 st Ed chat, 21st Ed chat. Um, we have a few minutes left here. If you are watching and we have quite a few viewers left and you have any more questions, you can certainly reach out to us on Twitter following at Tech Ed Show. We'll be happy to do that. There was a question about archiving and where we have all this stuff archived. And I want to share with you guys our brand new website that we're uh, proudly launching. Um, well, I guess we officially launched it last week. But if you go over to Tech educatorpodcast.com we have a brand new website it shows off all of our blog posts our links and the neat part about all of our posts I'll pull up this one here from last week featuring uh, Radar Gaming, our good friend Nick it has our video stream and then right underneath of it it has our audio feed so you can, you can watch us you can download us and of course you can subscribe to us over in iTunes and there's a lot of great ways that you can connect with us we certainly hope that you're enjoying watching this show, there are uh, many topics that we're going to be hitting as we go through the next uh, few weeks here we're basically going to be doing these shows as giant webinars and of course we like the fact that you guys are out there following and joining us looks like we have another uh, question coming in here ah okay so the question coming in is how do we handle twitter with our classrooms anybody want to take that one class accounts how to use it maybe different lessons for twitter um go ahead I mean, back in the day, I used, uh, and this, I'm talking a while back, um, maybe about three or four years ago, we did use Twitter for our class, and I just did one um, solid account, and we did we did kind of made it generic in, in the terms, but I gave it to the parents. We kind of locked it down, made the tweets private, and um, 
it was really cool because a lot of times when you have your phone, you can sit there and make, take a lot of pictures about what's going on in class, and it just was a constant stream to update some of the parents on what was going on. And the thing that I got, two parents that traveled a ton and said they really enjoyed having the Twitter stream because they could see their daughter or their son and they could know what was going on even if they were as far away as like japan or china and they were there they could kind of go through and it was they they really said that they they thanked me for it and it was before you know twitter was pretty big i would say it was probably four years ago actually and um uh they were really thankful for it so I, i've gotten some good feedback but for elementary school which i am we kind of we kept it very solidly locked down i don't think that uh People are that scared as much anymore, so I don't think you need to mm-hmm. protect it, protect your tweets as much nowadays. Now, I want to bring up another example here for how to use Twitter in the classroom. This is my class website at nbthsmusic.com. As you can see here, I have a custom Twitter background, which was a real simple uh, graphic that I faded into black, and I took our logo on, again, on Photoshop, stuck it on the top left, And as you can see, for a class account, I don't have a bio. I don't need to put a bio because I'm not actually using this account to reach out and build a PLN. But I have a neat little custom logo. I have our name. It's the same exact name as our class website, mbthsmusic.com. And I use it to keep touch with the students and tell them what their homework is. It really is one-way communication. At the end of every class, I share with them what their homework assignments are. In fact, they know that tomorrow is a test. And um, I have a few of the students follow me. But more importantly, as Jeff was pointing out earlier, um, you can stick it on your website, which is where I have all my tweets. And so parents and whatnot can uh, come to the site and and follow us and uh, learn what's going on in class. Guys, it's just about 8 o'clock. This has been a great show. We have still a ton of viewers left, and uh, maybe we'll stick around after the show is over and answer any questions that you guys have. But, um, Sam, do you have a question? Yeah, I just want to make sure we've had a lot of questions come in about good Twitter chats, and Mm -hmm. we've talked about those a little bit. Sure. Um, I know that Jeff Herb has a really great list of chats, and... Uh, Jerry sends out great lists of chats all the time. I just want to make sure that we get some of those into the show notes. Um, and I don't know if we have a link that we can send out to people on our hashtag now to maybe Jeff's uh, Twitter chat page. Mm-hmm. Sure. I can do that right now. Great. Thanks for that info. Yeah, if you want to... Oh. I have them up on my screen, but they're all on the ones that I'm going to tweet out in a second, so we don't need to switch to my screen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, of course, we're going to make sure we have all the links available to us. Again, let me pull this up here. It will go under techeducatorpodcast.com forward slash 10. So techeducatorpodcast.com forward slash 10. We will make sure that we have all the information, all the links, all the all the show notes. Everything is going to be up there. Um, and of course you can use that for your reference techeducatorpodcast.com forward slash 10 we have enjoyed tonight I know we have we love it when we have a great live audience we love it when we have viewer feedback thank you guys so much Um, John let's go around the room John tell us what's going on this week with the uh, Techlandia world um, in Techlandy, we did a little recap of iPad Summit in Atlanta, and I did offer this, which kind of goes exactly with the theme. I came back so fired up 
because as I do when I go to conferences, I did offer that if anybody wants to um, tweet at me at iPad Sammy, I will get onto a Google Hangout with them. And if they have some educators that are hesitant to get on Twitter or just need some more information, I will be happy to give them a personal Google Hangout for 10 minutes and screen share with them and show them how to get on Twitter. I just haven't posted that one, but that goes right with the theme that we were just talking about. Nice. Jeff Herb, what's going on this week at InstructionalTechTalk.com? We're going to be releasing another one of the challenges this week, which we're excited to do. Um, Another podcast will be coming out on Wednesday. I was able to talk talk with the great people from Skype uh, this week about how to use Skype in the classroom. Uh, It was a great conversation, and so they're going to be on the podcast this week. So definitely check that one out to figure out some of the basic ways to get started using Skype in your classroom. And Sam, what's going on in the world of llamas? In the world of llamas, I don't know, because I'm not in the desert this week. But uh, Patui (laughs) is really exciting. Um, We have a new website that we're working on and is almost fully functional at patui.org. You can stop by and look at it if you want. Don't pick on it yet. Um, This week, we are going to be talking about content capture or the technology we use to record the teaching we're doing. And I am going to raise the ugly specter of the question that the technology we use changes the teaching we're doing. And what can we do about that? Nice. And there's a lot of stuff that's going on this week over at TeacherCast. As I said, we just went to the Student Voice Live Summit, which was an amazing, an amazing time. And we took a ton of video. If you're listening out there, I want to give a good shout out to my partner in crime, Mr. Jay Eitner, Principal Eit on Twitter. Um, he and I had interviews with people like Nikhil Goyle and Zach Malamed and Mario Armstrong. And we had a great time there. And I have a ton of video that I'm in the middle of editing and we'll certainly get that up. You can find that over at teachercast.net slash iTunes, where we're going to be posting not only this video, but other great ones like it. Next weekend, we have another great day of broadcasting. I'm going to be switching out of the classroom topics, and I'm actually going to be broadcasting at the International Federation of Chiropractors. And uh, so check us out next week on teachercast.tv. Saturday, we're going to have an entire day of chiropractors. So uh, if you have a spinal issue, we'd love to hear from you. I'm going to have some of the world's top-notch chiropractors with me discussing everything about vertebral subluxation and how they can be get onto Twitter and help out their patients. Guys, I want to say thank you so much for a great show. This is number 10, and uh, I don't know. I think the audience is starting to like it. I certainly love it when people are there every Sunday at 7 o'clock Eastern. And of course, thank you, please, audience. check us out at techeducatorpodcast.com. It's a website that is constantly uh, evolving, and uh, it's evolving with your help. Sam, what, the, what is that? What is what? You're on live right now, my friend. You bet. <laughs> At least I'm not showing whatever it is Sammy's showing. <laughs> this is, goes with the chiropractor theme. It's the backbone. You put it on your iPad. Oh, you yeah. Your finger right there, and you can show it all around. It's really cool. That thing, uh, that is really cool. Show it all around. Nice. I thought it would fit in with the chiropractors. <laughs> nice. Nice. Check us out next week at 7 o'clock. We will be back talking about another great tech tool. And you can find out all the information of us by following us at Tech Ed Show. Thanks so much. My name again is Jeff Bradbury, and you have been listening to the Tech Educator Podcast. Enjoy yourself, and uh, again, follow 21st Century Ed Chat if you're out there. Have a great night, everybody.